everyone. This is the Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They provide great service. You're in complete control of your own podcast. You never have to leave your own website. There is a plugin that you can use to incorporate Blueberry and uh, distribution through your website. So it's a great service that has taken a lot of the work of podcasting out for me. And I find for that reason that it's a a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this if you want to podcast. Try out Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract. It's, It's just a great company, period. And I am a pot, I am a blueberry affiliate, so there's that. <laughs> and did I mention that they have free technical support by email, video, and phone? Yes, you can actually reach a human being there. I'll say no more. Hi, everyone. Uh, we're back for a seventh season of the podcast, which just blows me away. I mean, time flies, man. <laughs> I can't believe I've been doing this for six years. Anyway, um, as always, I'm blown away also by the variety of backgrounds that people bring into the writing craft. And my first guest for this season is no exception. With a background in biology, he's worked as a marine scientist and wildlife biologist for the federal government and the private sector. He has also worked on commercial fishing boats. Uh, My guest today is author Richard Meredith. Hi, Richard. Thanks so much for being here today. Hi, Deb. Thank thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be with uh, Crime Cafe, and um, I also want to thank you for posting my my guest uh, blog on your website. That was wonderful. Well, my pleasure to do so. Um, Like I said, you have a very interesting background. Uh, What was it you did on commercial fishing boats? Well, this may be before your time, but there was a, a during the 70s, there was this controversy about uh, the tuna dolphin controversy where they, the fishing boats were catching the dolphin and they were, so I was one of the government, government monitors on, the, on those boats. Excellent. So I did that for about two years. That and, isn't uh, before my time, by the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I did that for, I did that for a couple of years and then my wife said the next job that comes in on the beach, take it. And that was in Kansas City. So I got pretty far from the, the ocean after that. 
Well, that's very interesting. I used to work at EPA, actually. So I was going to oh, ask okay. you if you did environmental protection. <laughs> yeah, well, I was at the Corps of Engineers and we worked with EPA quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Excellent. Wonderful. Um, all that Clean Water Act stuff. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, had you written any fiction before you wrote The Crow's Nest? I wrote a, a, a novel called uh, a Sky Dance, which was about my experience. Well, it's, it's, it's a novel, but it was based on my experiences in Ecuador when I was uh, working on uh, uh, doing environmental impact studies on uh, petroleum uh, uh, pro uh, projects down there. And that was self-published. I did it through CreateSpace with Amazon. But this was the first one that was published by a you know publisher. I see. So this is the first uh, is this the first in a series or is this a standalone? This is a standalone. Yeah, my next three are uh, that are still well. I'm trying to find a publisher, but they're they're uh, they're a series. Yeah. Uh huh. Tell us a little about the crow's nest. What's it about? Well, I I I say that the crow's nest is a crime th thriller without um, without police, federal agents, or the military. It's just two men seeking justice against a, uh, a brutal cartel. Uh, it's, it's unique so far in that I think it's the only novel about the use of the uh, uh, crude submarines and the smuggling of cocaine between Colombia and North, Northern Mexico. I kind of describe it as the uh, mutant spawn of Dos Boot and Savages. Hmm. But it's uh, in a nutshell, the, the Crow's Nest is a story about two men uh, Johnny LeBeau, who's a notorious smuggler, and Chase Brenner, who's an innocent fisherman. And for different reasons, both men uh, get cross, get, get sideways with the uh, vicious uh, Baja cartel and the, bar, and the capo, uh, Fernando Cuervo. They're desperate and they're on the run, and they figure that the only chance to survive is to bargain for their lives, but they really don't have any leverage. So Johnny, who has some inside information about the, the cartel, uh, decide, conceives a plan to hijack uh, one of the cartel's secret uh, narco submarines, and he figures with $100 million worth of cocaine in the, on board, they could cut a deal. And it's a great idea until the uh, cartel's chief Sicario, a man named Kudo, kidnaps Chase's family. Now things get a little more complicated, and Johnny faces kind of the moral dilemma of his life. Uh, ditch Chase, the man who saved him from sure death, or escape with riches beyond his wildest dreams and lose it all, including his life, just to save Chase's uh, wife and family. And from there, uh, there's much mayhem on the road to resolution. <laughs> That's it in a nutshell. That's interesting. It sounds like almost a little bit like, uh, like an action adventure with psychological thriller thrown in there. A little bit, a little bit. All, all the characters are, are, are flawed in some way. <laughs> interesting. Um, do you feel that your experience on, um, on commercial fishing boats contributed in any way toward the writing of this book? Yeah, it, it, the technical aspects, but uh, there were no personalities like this on board the boats. They were pretty nice guys overall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, do you write full time or do you, are you still employed? No, I'm, I'm retired. I retired about three years ago. And I, I, I write, well, full time when I'm not babysitting with the grandkids, but I try to get in a couple, three or four hours a day. But uh, 
I think, as I told you in kind of my interview, that I'm, I'm kind of a lazy writer. I have to wait for the, the mood to hit me. You know, I'm always taking notes and things, but to sit down and put it together, it, it takes me a while. It does take a certain amount of discipline, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. I always tell friends that's uh, it's the hardest thing to start and the easiest thing to quit, but in between, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, there, there's that. I think that's that's a good observation there. Um, between the hard times, it can be fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you have a particular, you don't have a particular routine, I take it, for writing, or is there a time of day or something I'm, that... I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty much a, a morning person. You know, if I can get up, have a cup of coffee, and go to work right away, I'm, I'm good for about two or three hours doing it that way. Then uh, after that, it's, you know, on the on the web, you know, uh, doing filing or all the, you know, the menial labor after that. But the but every, you know, you, every once in a while you get, uh, you know, something comes in your head and you have to write down the note and you wait, use it for the next morning. You know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Get those ideas while they're fresh. Yeah. Um, how would you describe your writing to someone who's never read your books? Describe the writing? Yeah. It's a uh, crime thriller, a uh, lot of action adventure. Uh, it's a... Uh, I, I think that would be it. It's uh, it, I, I, I see a movie script in every everything I write, but <laughs> but no one wants to buy a script yet. <laughs> but there's a lot of action. Yeah. Interesting. Is uh, do, are the endings noirish or more upbeat? Upbeat. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So good guys win. Yeah, I like. Or I like. I better like, guys uh, win, maybe. <laughs> Sometimes uh, someone may get away, but the good guys win in the end, yeah. Cool. Um, let's see, you travel a lot, you said. Um, do you set your stories in the places that you visit and how much does location, how much of a part does location play in your writing? I think setting it very, is very important to me, almost, you know, because it, it, it kind of it kind of forms the character, you know, where, you're, where, where they're at. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been fortunate in, in my career to, you know, travel a lot of different places and have a lot of different experiences. And, and so far, each one of them has contributed to one of my, my books, you know, so I, I think it's very important for, for me for setting. It's almost as if the choice of that setting is a function of character. Because yeah, and, only yeah. a certain type of character would choose to do these jobs. Right. In fact, my, my latest one I'm working on is about this woman who's a uh, hard hat diver. And I had experience working with hard hat divers in the uh, Sacramento River where they're recovering uh, uh, pipelines. Mm -hmm. And I have her, uh, have her uncovering this, uh, this uh, strong box that was lost during the uh, California gold rush 150 years ago. So that, that setting of having this hard hat diver, then, you know, how did she get there? You know, that's not typically a, an occupation you find a lot of women in, but that that really took the whole story away right there. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. And when is this taking place with the hard hat diver? Oh, that's contemporary. Yeah. Contemporary, right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, what writers would you say have most inspired your work? Uh, it, it kind of changed. Uh, I think uh, it, initially when I was a kid, I saw some James Bond movies and started reading all of Ian Fleming. I think one summer I read everything. And then in the mid 70s, I was really into, uh, you know, John D. McDonald's Travis McGee series. 
And then uh, Michael <laughs> Crichton's always been a favorite because of the mix of science, thriller, and and uh, and novels. And uh, uh, but I pretty much, I'm pretty much an in-genre reader. I've read reading a lot of Gillian Flynn, you know, Tom Clancy, you know, Vince Flynn, Brad Thor, Michael Connelly, you know, Robert Craig, th those types of. But I think my favorite of all is is really Daniel Silva. Hmm. Now that's one reader, one writer I haven't read actually. Oh, he's just, uh, yeah. I, 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 I'm all, I'm, up, I'm up to date on his latest one too. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I have to make, have to make a note. Just got done reading uh, Owen Lukow. I can't remember pronounce his name. Uh, the, the Deceptive Code by uh, Owen Lukowkin. Yeah. Lukow yeah, I know. Yeah. He's good. I've read he's his good. stuff. Yeah. Also, just got. I'm reading a couple of novels by James. Uh, I'll, I'll butcher his name too, La Toile. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting because he's always writing about Sacramento where I'm at. So. Oh, cool. I used yeah. to live in Fresno. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Fresno and Merced, actually. <laughs> yeah. I got friends in both areas. Yeah. I know the Central Valley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although it took moving to Maryland and seeing Grapes of Wrath for me to understand what the term Oki meant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was like, you know, oh, that's what heart. they were talking about all that time when people yeah. would say "oaky." Yeah, I was like, "Well, you're missing our hundred degree temperature right now, so you're." you're oh, what a shame! <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We have uh, super humidity to look forward to here yeah. in Maryland. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know the Central Valley; it's hot. <laughs> oh yeah, hot like an oven hot. I remember hot. like opening the door and feeling like a blast furnace coming mm -hmm. at me. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say is the best part of writing fiction and say the hardest part? Oh, the hardest part is finding that right word. You know, it's out there, you know. Uh, it, you know, it's that putting together that sentence, you know. And, you know, one day it'll be, it sounds like the greatest thing ever written. And the next day you read the same thing. Oh, my God, what have I, what have I done? <laughs> but I think it's that. You know, it's that back and forth and trying to just, uh, you know, formulate that that idea, that that sentence, that paragraph, that page, into a you know a cohesive unit with the you know that that's the fun part. It's 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 the puzzle. Mm -hmm. So that's the fun part. So yeah. That's the hard part. Uh, doing it over and over again. <laughs> and making, making it work over and over again. Yeah, making yeah. it cohesive. I got. Uh, I, I, uh, I was in this, I'm in this uh, critique group and uh, our leader said one time, said, you know, we're not writers, we're rewriters. And that's really the case. It's just back and forth, back and forth. Absolutely. Every writer is a rewriter. Yeah. <sighs> and um, what advice would you give to anyone who's interested in writing fiction? Uh, write, write what you know. You know, and people that you know and experiences you've had, uh, and I wouldn't stick to that, but that's what, a good place to start because you know where that is. It's personal, and then you can you can go out from there. Yeah. But I think that a situation you know, a setting you know, uh, and a type of personality you know, and build your story around that. Mm -hmm. I think if you try to go too far out, you know, start writing a you know a, a novel about. Icelandic literature, you may, you may be too far out. You know, you got to get something that's closer to home. Absolutely. Unless, of course, you've lived in Iceland. Unless you're from Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, let's see. Where can readers find you online? Uh, my website is Richard W. Meredith, M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H dot com. I also have a Facebook page, Richard W. Meredith. Just look that up and that's my author's page. But in my email address is uh, rmeredith at comcast.net. I can be reached at, through any of those. Excellent. And you're on various social media, I assume? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning social media. <laughs> that. That's what, that's what the other thing I would have, uh, have a, a new writer learn is we've learned this during COVID that, you know, I, I had this big, big marketing plan last year and the book came out in May and all of a sudden, you know, you can't have book signings, you can't travel to conferences, you know, and so you have, you're pretty reliant on social media. And so I, I would say develop a following somehow, you know, right away, even before the book comes out, get, get, get on the line, get, get going, you know, get, get, find some influencers, you know. Even if it's just to start a blog. Even if it's to start a blog, yep, yep. Sometimes I think we undervalue the, the value of a blog. Oh, I think blogs are, yeah, I, I must go through, I, I don't know how many I read. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear somebody's still reading them. Yeah, because yeah. somebody else out there was saying, "Oh, I don't read blogs anymore. I just listen to podcasts." And I was like, "What? What? How can you?" Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, some people are like that, I guess, and yeah. depends on your taste. So, um, but I noticed that among your hobbies, you listed videography and guitar. So you're a musician. Well, <laughs> I was in a band in high school. Everyone was in a band in high school, but I. You know, I was so proud when I learned my fourth chord on the guitar. So I've been playing it for 40 years and, and not making much headway. <laughs> but I love it. It's one of those things that relaxes me. Yeah, yeah. And you take video also. I do. Uh, I started, started kind of uh, very innocently. I was uh, going across. I bought a car from a friend of mine who had a dealership back in uh, Michigan. And my wife and I were driving across country. And we said, why don't we stop at different ballparks along the way? Oh, God. So we started at Tiger Stadium and we, I think we went to St. Louis and then we went to Dallas and then um, Arizona and then uh, uh, Anaheim. And each one we, we try to shoot uh, like a three to five minute video of the city we're in, a little bit of the ballpark, a little bit of the game. We have to taste a hot dog to see how good it is. And we put those, I put those out on YouTube, but they're just kind of, they're just really more for friends than anything else. But it get, got a lot better over the years. <laughs> well, yeah. I myself am into video a little bit. I, I play around with it. And uh, I actually did do a video of a trip that my husband and I took to Pittsburgh, uh -huh. basically to see the, the, the baseball game in Pittsburgh. But we did all these other things too while we were there. So I included yeah. it in the video. Was, yeah, the PNC Stadium, it's a great stadium to go to, you know? And then, oh, yeah. it is, yeah. It was fantastic. It's a yeah. lot of fun. Um, Let's see. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? No, but I, I just want to know that uh, uh, I do have that uh, uh, little little sampling of my next novel, uh, Maskarovka, uh, that's available at my website for anyone who wants to read a few chapters of that. And yes. that, uh, what's that about? Well, that is uh, that is about uh, uh, a Russian uh, collusion in U.S. elections uh, where uh, illegal petrol rubles are uh, 
funneled, laundered through seemingly legitimate uh, foundations into political campaigns. And uh, it was, it's, it was, it gets to be a little uh, interesting how money can get into politics illegally. And so I was looking at that. Well, this all sounds very timely and interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fascinating. That's, that's what that one's about. Maskarova is the, uh, that's the Russian science of deception and how they, you know, move the shell around. So, yeah, that's interesting. That yeah. Well, it sounds fascinating. I'm, I'm glad you were here today. And thank you so much for being on with yeah. us. If I can just make, you know, uh, the, the crow's nest is available both at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I have to put that pitch in at the end. Absolutely. Very good. Well done. Well, thank you very much, Debbie. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, I appreciate your being here and you're very welcome. Thanks. And um, I should also mention that I'm offering all three of my indie published audiobooks for half price throughout all of July, up until the 30th, I think. Um, I'll include a link below this video, as well as with the podcast notes. So if you enjoy listening to books and you would like to try out my audiobooks, give them a look and take a listen to the sample. Um, that's it for my commercial. Um, we are also Patreon supported, I should mention that. Our next guest on the show will be August Norman. So I hope to see you in two weeks. And in the meantime, happy reading. 